0: The Outpost Radio on Demand. Here's Art Young from The Outpost magazine. After spending most of his life writing and performing songs, our guest left the recorded music business a couple of years ago and focused on his other artistic endeavors. Now these included his painting, writing for stage, highly regarded nonfiction books. But thankfully, that was just a brief hiatus. Found him
1: up and broke inside us. Burning with life's mind, Instinctive forces Push and guide us And bring action To desire The rhythm opens doors To vision Inspiring us to start Listen to
0: the wisdom Following our Hi, this is Art Young. I'm the editor of the Outpost Magazine, and I realized the other day I've known this young man for over 35 years. In that time, he has created amazing art in many media, and now he's returned to the to the music world for one of the most interesting albums I've heard this year. It's entitled Vagabond Heart. Welcome to the Outpost, Bobby Bridger.
2: It's great to hear your voice again, Art.
0: Man, it was it's we've been, it's been a, a lot of mornings at the crack of dawn and and uh, out, right outside of Austin, Texas. And uh, the, thank goodness those those four o'clock mornings are over for me, Bobby. I hope they are for you. <laughs>
2: well, at times they are. When they reappear, uh, I'm always thankful. I'm still around the as old the old black black elk, the old uh, Lakota holy man used to say to to see the, the morning star. Yeah, yeah. That's it's not the,
0: the alternative is not is not positive. <laughs> so, That's right. <laughs> well, your new record, uh, Vagabond Heart, uh, have many people, including me, feeling that this is the best work you've ever done. Which which begs the question, Bobby, have you been saving this for a rainy day? All this material that you've been collecting and just started. Uh, okay, now it's time to release all this good stuff.
2: Well, uh, actually, partly yes and partly no. Some of the songs uh, I wanted to uh, essentially resurrect. Uh, you know, albums back uh, that you do early on, sometimes they go out of print, and it, you feel like, like you, it's a, almost cliche to say that the songs are like your children, but you feel like some of those children get stuck in an out-of-print out of bin somewhere, you know, and right. you want to go rescue them. Right. And two songs on this record, were particularly uh, uh, like that. Uh, the sculpture and the call were on my uh, 1973 album uh, with RCA Records and I wanted to sing for the people. <laughs> and the sculpture seemed to resonate with me more now at, at this stage of life than it did even at, as a young man when I first recorded it. And, and similarly, similarly, the 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 call was the same way uh, largely because uh, I I felt like having worked as a cowboy I felt like the call was more of a cowboy song and I had cut it more as a kind of a traditional folk singer uh, Mm -hmm. back earlier but I rearranged it and uh, and more of a kind of a sitting on a saddle with a a little lap guitar you know Mm -hmm. and uh, we had, it took on a very interesting new direction so uh partly your question is uh is, is yes i i have been saving some of these songs in a way uh in an out of print band but uh other ones uh, bright wings for example
3: Great song. It just
2: uh, it just fell between uh, the history projects and the theater shows and the same thing with what you resist will persist. A lot of those songs were like that, were written in between, and, and they just never did get recorded, and now is the time.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. yeah, I want to come back and talk about both those two songs, but you know this is a time when every artist, publisher, label executive, they all say there's no money in recorded music. Why have you decided to go contrarian on us and, and put out a new album?
2: Well I've pretty much gone contrary <laughs> my whole my whole career the, the the Lakota have a wonderful uh term for that hayoka uh uh-huh. the hayokas go backwards they do everything backwards and I, I never have considered myself a hayoka but uh, I have been somewhat contrary uh but only because so many people just go crazy after one thing, and uh, when that fails, they, they tend to just throw in the towel, but a lot of times, those things just lead you to another creative outlet. I, for example, when I'm, when I'm working on a book and, and writing, and I hit, a, hit a, a kind of a log jam, I'll run out to my studio and start painting until I can't paint anymore. And then by that time, usually the logjam's over on the computer.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And
2: and I've found that doing that often uh, throughout my career has freed me up to do other things. And, And when I left the record industry, it was because, to my way of thinking, it had become so basically just kind of corrupt that, you know, it took, I think it took $250,000 to hire independent promotion men back in the day to, wow. Wow. to break a record once you spent a lot of money even making the record, you know. So now I, I see the Internet as something that just is a wonderful tool for what I've been doing since 1974 when I left the record business. Wow. Yeah,
0: you, you're you exactly at a, a a guy with your background and talent and entrepreneurship. And you know, you're at the right place at the right time, man. Yeah, I, you also had a, you know, the funding for this record was provided by those legions of Bobby Bridger fans out there, didn't it?
2: Yes, and that's a wonderful, again, that underscores what we're talking about, about the ability that we all have now. And you know, in the old days, we would we would run like moths to the flame to give ourselves away and give our our all the money that we would make away as quick as we you know uh, to to other people. And and now we have the opportunity, as I see it, to 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 actually make a little money off of what we do. And, of course, everybody says, well, you know, people don't buy music anymore. But I I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that if you give people the opportunity to do what's right, they will do what's right. And they know that making music and recording it and putting it out has a certain value, and they'll support that.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the first cut I heard on the record, and I'm not sure they even call them singles anymore, but it's an amazing lyric and uh, tune musical standpoint. It's called The Cycle Song. The
4: Cycle Song.
0: It is the quote-unquote single, but tell me what the song is all about.
2: Well, actually, that song is from my uh, one-man show, Pahaska, which is what Buffalo Bill was called from the time he was about 11 years old, means long hair, and uh, that song uh, was, was the, the, the kernel for that song was what enabled me to work for 25 years on Pahaska, that ballad about Buffalo Bill, and it came from a remark that uh, Black Elk, the holy man of the Lakota made, uh, after he had been lost, uh, he, he got lost from the Buffalo Bill show in England when they were there touring in 1887, and uh, he and four other Indians from the show, and he wandered all over uh, Europe, really, until 18... 18- Eighty-nine, when Buffalo Bill was in Paris with the Wild West, and they reunited, uh, and Black Elk, Buffalo Bill it gave him the option of staying with the show or going back to the Dakotas, and he, Black Elk said, "I want to go home," and so Buffalo Bill hired a policeman to make sure he got on the boat the second time and wow. get him back to uh, home. And Black Elk always said of Buffalo Bill, Pahaska had a strong heart. And that strong heart, if you remember the lyric in the, uh, the cycle song, it says, uh, pounding like a drum inside us, burning with life's fire, instinctive forces push and guide us, uh, bringing action to desire. And that's about Buffalo Bill, and that's where that song comes from. And when I was doing it as a one man show, my son was a little boy, he was eight, nine, ten years old opening my show for me. And uh when we went into the studio he said, You know, Dad, I always wanted to hear that song done in more of a contemporary style than just you the twelve string mm-hmm. and why don't we try that? And that was the way it started. That's where that wow. I mean that's where the, 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 the sound comes from.
0: Yeah, who's playing who's who's playing lead guitar on that track? John John Inman
2: is playing everything on that. John Inman played entire everything on that song. I had a kind of a little uh, a rhythm thing going on six string guitar. And I taught John that rhythm of what I was doing. He says, "Does this work?" I said, "Yeah." We locked the rhythm in. He took over and built the whole track. Yeah, it is a. great st- <laughs> the singing background on
0: it. Yeah, it's it's a stunning song, and I see why you released it—the uh, first song out—and that's the one. Uh, you know, the old the old radio guy, and he says that's the one that that you'll hear on the radio as well. And uh, <laughs> Inman produced the record too, didn't he?
2: Yeah, Inman, he and I he and I co-produced it. We, uh, it, in a way, that's that's something that we've been trying to do ever since way back when I was on RCA. Back when I first arrived in Austin, John was one of the first people I met uh, before the Lost Gonzo Band and all that. And and I had left Nashville where I was working with one of the master uh, studio session men in the world, Fred Carter Jr., who played with Simon Garfunkel and all sorts of people and uh, is very famous anyway and John was one of the first people I met when I got to Austin and I saw in John a lot of that same wonderful natural gift with the instrument and we it, besides that he's just a sweetheart of a guy and we we just became closest of friends and we've been friends for 45 years now
0: wow and uh, you mentioned you mentioned your son Gabe who I've have... Uh, as long as I've known you, uh, I have not met him. But given, given that voice, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be hearing him around the old, around the old studio b- b- <laughs> for a long time to come. Now he sings. He opens one of the one of the cuts on this uh, album, doesn't he?
2: That's ex- absolutely right. On, on Bright Wings, uh, Gabe's a trained, uh, a very trained singer. He went to the high school for the visual and performing arts in Houston, and uh, very famous art school here and uh he uh uh then he went to U- university of houston on a, a vocal scholarship first but he's has other interests and they were very uh wanted him to be very focused on opera and uh so anyway i've been trying to get him back into the studio to do commercial stuff and uh when the bright wing song came up i thought oh that's really great we'll We'll use that almost like uh, sirens in a -hmm. a mythological sense, in a refrain, and let him just uh, sing, just use that beautiful voice. But I also wanted to get him uh, exposed to uh, an audience as well, because I do think he's got a, a record in him down the line, and this was a way to explore his... Uh, his talents and see if he wants to go in that direction
0: at all. Yeah, well, he, he's like Loud Wainwright's kid. Uh, you know, one of those voices <laughs> that comes along very rare. I mean, I hear it. I know where he got it. You know, I definitely can hear it in his voice and your voice. But uh, it's, a, it's a rare rare treat to hear that kid.
2: That's, that's so uh, intuitive that you jumped on Rufus Wainwright. He is a Rufus freak. And has been for uh, uh, ever since long before Rufus became popular. Yeah. Came playing me Rufus Wainwright stuff. And uh, yeah, that's really, I can't wait to tell him that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, he did. I, I actually interviewed 100 years ago, Loudon, when he had, a, I think he had like a couple of hits. And and I vaguely remember, uh, you know, his his little boy was, you know, coming along behind. Him. I thought, hmm, this will be interesting. And it uh, turns out that, you know, Rufus has got this. God-given, unbelievable voice, you know, oh, very, much yeah. like, very much like Gabe, and it's 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 fun to hear that. And that that uh, that cut, bright wings, is is just phenomenal. I, I love the beginning of it, and you know, it's it's a. Uh, well, what what other cuts do you like on this on this record? Did you like playing?
2: You know, I had the hardest time uh, sequencing this record because you know, I go, I went back to my very earliest. Influences to to do this record back when I was a teenager. My two biggest, uh, aside from Elvis, <laughs> and and the the, the regular uh, guys, you know the sun the sun guys. Two two of my biggest influences were uh, Marty Robbins uh-huh. and, and Bobby Darin. Interesting. And uh, the the reason being that you know Marty could do a white sports coat, one cut, Bye Bye Love, the next cut, and El Paso, the next one.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, they were all different styles and all different uh, approaches to his using his voice. Yeah. And, and Bobby Darren was the same way. He'd cut that little novelty thing, splish, splash, splish, splash and then the next thing you know, he's doing... Uh, Mac the knife, and then uh-huh. after that, he started doing folk music and introduced uh, Tim Harden's "If I Was a Carpenter."
0: Yeah, I forgot about and, that. That's you're right, boy. What a what a diverse what a diverse repertoire.
2: And, and back in those days, that was what made an artist work was being diverse and being able to sing that way and being able to approach uh, their music that way. And I thought. Well, when I first started making records, that was exactly the, the way that my producer took me was to do to, to, to do that, and so I went back to that technique. So, as far as picking a favorite song, it's hard for me to do because I what John and I decided to do as producers was to do just that was to 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 use that kind of basic the foundation of my finger picking style. A- a- and and build from that with the, the song with two voices kind of the Everly Brothers, Simon and Garfunkel whatever you want to call it
0: mm-hmm. pairing
2: with Gabe and, and me and then build those different styles that you do my songs in those different styles mm-hmm. so what you have in Vagabond Heart is uh, kind of a vagabond artist as well yeah,
3: <laughs> moving
2: from one style to another and and so they're all my favorites, and it's uh, without using the cliche of it being children, it's because they have such unique
0: characteristics. Each of the songs. Yeah, I didn't realize that Gabe was singing harmony on uh, on the single, but but he kills it on that single. That's a fabulous. On yeah, on the cycle song.
2: Well, that was his. That was his. I when he said we should cut that, uh, Gabe's a big Beagle freak, and uh,
0: yeah, I hear you can definitely hear it.
2: Well, most all of us are you know, and so i said okay we'll go uh, go to uh go back to your study with the Beatles and pick several of their background techniques and present them to me and John, and we'll see what happens and so when John, when Gabe brought those parts in John just went, "Oh, boy, now we can have some fun <laughs> mm-hmm. so John well, took out from there.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you guys had fun. And and now are you going to hit the road to support the new record or or if so, where are you going to be playing?
2: Well, you know, I I actually I took off most of the last year to get, to put all the different parts of the puzzle together to make an approach uh, as we've discussed to come back at this from uh, the new way of doing things with Kickstarter with so forth and so forth. With using social media and whatever to uh, let people know about art, so I didn't, I, and I was waiting to see how this record would uh, would come out. And so once I once I found out when it was coming out, I started booking gigs. So we start up uh, the end of the month in Shreveport, and then we go to Oklahoma City and Tulsa and Rogers, Arkansas. And then I'm coming back here to uh Texas uh to because John is going to Europe with Jimmy LaFave. Nice.
3: Uh, and nice. He'll
2: be gone he'll be over there for 3 weeks and while he's while John is gone I'll be working the record here at home but I'm also working on another record release that uh will be of, of one of my mount it'll be the mountain man show seekers of the place we'll put that out as a a single release sometime
0: nice nice well now how can people order the record
2: well a- as it is right now it's available tomorrow on iTunes that's on the September 15th that it, it it uh launches on iTunes and other digital media and then uh later on in the week we'll, the, we'll release the uh compact disc and uh, a teaser video, and so forth, and so forth, to the cycle song.
0: Well, listen and, uh, to you, man! You have you have, <laughs> as as you get older, you get hipper, dude. <laughs> I, do, I don't know half of those venues, but that's that's great. You got some you got some good help, I think.
2: Well, I do. I have a young uh, a young team, uh, and as, as a matter of fact, uh, she's our uh, ex- executive producer with me, Erin uh, Gailey and her in the Flickr team up in uh, Portland. Oregon, and Erin is uh, Melissa and I've known Erin for oh, 14 years now, and uh, she's a filmmaker primarily, but she's the, she's the lady that put the Kickstarter project together, and her organization and they're helping me market too. So that's uh, great. That's in good hands.
0: <laughs> well, you're, well, you're you and she and the and the whole team are doing everything right. It looks like now. Uh, one one kind of final question. I'm always fascinated that when I first met you, we talked about the old days at Monument Records, and you had, you know, you were on the same label as Kristofferson and uh, mm-hmm. Henson Cargill. I remember had, a, oh, had a, God. a. hey man, I'm old too, so I can remember these guys. I used to yep, play. <laughs> yeah, I used to skip a rope. I, I used to play it at the little radio stations I was working my way through. But tell tell me, in, in as somebody who's been through this and you're kind of coming back around, has the has the record business uh, gotten better, worse, or just different?
2: Here, here's exactly the way I feel about it right now. When I was uh, there's a guy named Pudler Harris. Uh, isn't that a wonderful name? Yeah. And P- Pudler was uh, the guy that told me I had been assigned to Monument Records. Pudler was a piano player with Ricky Nelson for years and years and years. and all. Oh, he played with everybody. Anyway, I was just elated. I, I go to Nashville. I went back to Nashville, and basically I got a, a, box of, a couple of boxes of 45s and that was it and we went out and you'd find a radio station in a little cotton patch somewhere in Arkansas or Mississippi little you know little uh 50,000 water best you know and uh and uh walk in and see if you could get on the radio and chances were that by the time you got in your car and drove off you'd hear your song on the radio sometimes uh-huh. and uh and uh, people bought that record for 99 cents or a dollar at, uh, you know, one of the little local stores. And uh, I don't think it's very much different right now. It's, it's kind of since the record industry has imploded basically with the exception of, you know, the big, uh, the balloon floats that you see in the Macy's paper. Right. Right.
3: Right.
2: uh, uh, it, It, for people like me, it's, same way you, you're out there you know if you can find uh, uh, somebody on the internet that's wanting to play your music then wonderful and uh it's it's not a whole lot different as far as i see it because then they're going to download it at the same price basically
0: uh-huh. Yeah, 99. singles Singles are definitely back from the download yeah,
2: so it's <laughs> I'm I'm ready to load up and go hit some cotton patches. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, maybe I maybe
0: I'll join you. I'd like to do a little road show. I bet that'd be fun. While you yeah. know, walking in unannounced with a with a with a digital recording, saying, "Hey, you want to play this?" Yeah, right. That's right. It's that's, you
2: know, it's really basically that way. And uh, it, it, you know, we were talking uh, uh, earlier. Uh, I, I really see this whole thing is if you if you really source it back it goes back to the grateful dead and uh because they kind of saw the light years ago that they weren't going to make any money in the record business and they just told their audience to come and tape you know and take the Mm -hmm. tape everything and and go with it so that's what happened it all ended up coming down to the internet and let's go let's make let's see if we can Figure out how to make that work for everybody now,
0: and and they became the most successful financially, the most successful group in the history <laughs> of the world. Just yeah. uh, the contrarian, just like Bobby Bridger, contrarian <laughs> attitude.
2: Well, I don't know that it's that. I think it's kind of just that it's, it's that you kind of meld with what people are really needing to make it. You know, I you know, Art, I always thought it was back when I. I may be naive about this, but. Back when I first started, I thought it was just amazing that you could if you got a song on the radio and it and someone heard that and they were motivated to as I was talking about, they, they hear it on the radio, they're motivated to pull their car into a parking lot and go into a store and buy it. That's a that's a wonderful exchange that happened. And I always thought that was just an amazing, powerful exchange and it also it's it's based totally on basically on the ear that it's that you can't that you don't see the the person you hear them first, and then you go and get that and I think that's exactly the same nowadays and uh I don't think humans have changed very much. Oh no. yeah! So I'm I'm really
0: excited about walking out into this new frontier. It's great. Yeah. Well, this is this is a this is exciting for your for your friends, and goodness knows there are hundreds of thousands of them who have seen your shows, bought your records, bought your paintings, bought your books, and I'm one of those. You know, painter, singer, songwriter, playwright, old west expert, and successful author. Bobby Bridger has been our guest this time around on the Outpost. Go buy Vagabond Heart. It's a great record, and Bobby is one of the truly good guys. Thanks for joining (laughs) us, my friend.
2: You bet, Art. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure to hear your voice again. I can't wait to cross our paths again.
0: Well, we'll do it. This is Art Young of The Outpost, and we'll talk soon. The Outpost Radio On Demand, from the On Demand page of theoutpostlife.com.
1: Inside us, earning with life's mind. Instinctive forces push and guide us, they bring action to desire. The rhythm opens doors to vision, inspiring us to start. We listen to the God's wisdom. Following our heart. Oh. In times there will appear a hero, burning with life's fire, directed as the archer's arrow, brings action to design. Vision gives us wings of freedom, inspiring us to start.